Teacher Vet is a podcast about topics in veterinary medicine. Though we strive to provide research-based information, it is not intended to be used as medical advice. So if Fido is feeling sick, be sure to take him to your vet. Trust us, they know what they are doing. Hi, I'm Jacob Vockler, and I'm the teacher. Hi, I'm Amanda Vockler, and I'm the vet. And you're listening to Teacher Teacher Vet. Vet. Welcome to episode 10 of the Teacher Vet Podcast. Finally, we are double digits. finally double digits. It <laughs> only took us, oh, maybe about a month and a half to record this last episode, but uh, we are at double digits. Mm-hmm. So um, without getting super boring and intense, and, and, and or that, those, those two don't go along, do they? Boring without and really, intense. <laughs> without yeah. getting really boring and in depth is what I meant to say <laughs> about why um, this episode is kind of partially why it's taken us so long to record an episode we uh we both kind of have had a a rough couple of weeks or month or so at work wouldn't you say yeah so uh anyway we uh (laughs) so we we are going to talk today about a couple of things and um it's kind of a it's kind of a thing now whenever you talk about things that are heavy emotions or that have kind of maybe a triggering effect on people to kind of give a trigger warning. So um, just, I guess we could call it a trigger warning. Yeah. We're going to talk a little bit. I hope bit. to not get that deep. Though, no, but, but um, on a lot of stuff I've been listening to, they kind of do this a little bit. So I figured why not? Um, we're going to talk a little bit about depression or a little bit about anxiety or workplace burnout. Um, there's going to be a mention of suicide. So if this is a triggering thing for you, then we just want to kind of give you a heads up ahead of time. We usually try and take a lighthearted approach to things, but uh, it's going to be kind of hard on today's episode, right? Yeah. What are we going to talk to about? To be Let's respectful. Just, yeah, to be respectful it. to it. Yeah. So so what are we going to be talking about? We're talking about compassion fatigue. Yes. Or uh, more, yeah, simple term burnout right mm-hmm. now. Technically, they are different, but uh, we'll just kind of lump them together for kind of the simplicity of an episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... The main goal behind this, in at least in my head, is um, to help people understand that that uh, the stuff that we do, our profession specifically, are pretty hard and pretty difficult. And mm-hmm. we have a lot of people who are veterinarians who listen, and um, we get it. It's a difficult profession, mm-hmm. right? And um, and so we have a lot of people who listen who are not veterinarians, and I think it's equally important to help them understand most awareness. of them. Awareness, yeah. Most mm-hmm. of them have a vet. And the person that you see in that uh, office, uh, they're having a hard time probably um, mm-hmm. because of their job. So anyway, what do you say? We just jump right in? Yeah. Awesome. Let's get it over with. Let's get this over with. <laughs> That's what I you feel wanted. like we, well, I feel like we've also tried to, we want it to be done in the right way. And yeah. so also, you know, I feel like I've had some hesitation of kind of doing it because... I want it to be done appropriately. Sure. Um, for those that are interested to, um, and it's kind of an offshoot of, of what we're talking about, but there's a really good piece that was done by NPR on uh, veterinarians and more specifically the high rate of suicide in veterinarians that we're seeing today. Yeah. And it's really, really well done. And I don't think we'll get near <laughs> their level, but I don't know. I just feel like we wanted to have another outlet of spreading that awareness and this information. Yeah. Out yeah there. This isn't going to be like a, like a news piece or whatever. This is more no. just you and I kind of 
talking about it and talking about our experiences and things like that. And um, I have some some history things that I wanted to talk about up front. But other than that, it's just going to be more sharing thoughts and ideas and experiences. And so if you're looking for like this super in-depth, like deep dive into anxiety and depression and compassion fatigue within the profession we're not going to be doing that this is just us kind of yeah. sharing some thoughts and ideas and again and like we're you not, said bringing awareness to it we're really. not medical doctors no. we're not psychologists so not professionals in that matter no. so it's more just like take it from us uh, you know our experience and then also like we do with everything else when we do our research we try and do due diligence and make sure it's good mm-hmm. um research and, and information that we're given to you so Um, so let's just jump right in. Right. So I do want to talk about the history of it because I didn't actually think I was going to be able to find very much, but I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah, Mm -hmm. there is some, in fact, and the reason why I say that is, is I wasn't really sure if I'd be able to find the specifics of when burnout or when compassion fatigue was identified. I mean, I didn't really know what I would be able to find, but I was able to figure something out. So there was actually the specific words of burnout and compassion fatigue. Um, the first time that it's been published in any kind of paper that has to do with psychological issues or things like that in the workplace is was in 1974 by a German-born American psychologist, um, Herbert J. Freudenberger. So this is another experience where the German German roots, right? The Germans are owning everything. Um, so real quick, Bo, before we jump into that, they do a good job of explaining kind of the difference between burnout and compassion fatigue. So burnout is a very general term for just feeling overwhelmed, ineffective, unable to continue feeling like you can't help, right? Feeling like I, what am I doing here? That's mm-hmm. when I think burnout, that's kind of like the phrase, like, what are we doing here? Right. Mm-hmm. I can't do anymore. You know, um, I had a coworker who once explained it. She said, I don't want to call it burnout, but I feel like I'm a mile wide and an inch deep. Right. Yeah. Just feeling like I'm really so spread so far. There's just nothing I can do. Um, and so that's kind of burnout. Uh, compassion fatigue is more specific, right? This is saying I've dealt with one very specific event so many times that I'm feeling almost trauma because of that. Um, I'm feeling that specific thing getting to me. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we'll talk a little bit about that going forward. So in 1974, um, Herbert J. Freudenberger, he identifies um, this idea of being burned out as exhaustion or uh, disillusionment or withdrawal resulting from an intensive devotion to a cause that failed to produce the expected results. Okay. So in more simplistic terms, just saying I've tried and I've tried and I've tried and I, and I'm not getting anywhere. Right. I I could try several different ways and I'm still not getting a result. And that's just like, what do you do now? Right. Yeah. Which is so frustrating. (laughs) It is so frustrating. It's super frustrating. Um, Freudenberger's research, uh, is actually the thing that will lead to, uh, what's called the MBI scale or the MBI, uh, test, which is the Maslach burnout inventory, which I thought was really kind of cool, right? So this is where we have some physicians or not physicians, or I guess whatever you'd call them, right? A mental health <laughs> specialist um, who's identifying this in the 70s. And because of it, people then it brings attention to it. And then people start to say, it's really hard to identify something that is mental, uh, mental issues or some sort of issue there. 
like we've talked about with like anxiety and animals, um, it's kind of hard to identify like how somebody or something is feeling. Um, you can diagnose some stuff really easily because you can do the blood work. And if you have numbers above a certain thing, boom, diagnosis. But how do you diagnose burnout? Right. Mm -hmm. And so they kind of do these. And, and I use a lot of these in education where they they rate things on scales. Um, so they'll ask you a question. It's going to be more of a what we term then in the medical field, a subjective measure. Yes. Yes. Very rather much so. than an objective. Measure. Yeah. We would use, we would use a similar terminology uh, mm -hmm. specifically. Like we have psychologists that are doing like cognitive assessments and things. And so it'll be like scale of one to 10, right? How does it, how do you feel about these things? So yeah. um, we could talk about that a little bit more um, as, as we go forward. So the MBI tests three main areas, emotional exhaustion, depersonalization, and personal accomplishment. So emotional exhaustion is going to be measuring the feelings of being emotionally overextended or exhausted by your day-to-day -day work, mm -hmm. right? And so this is kind of like what most people would probably, if you were to say, hey, are you feeling burned out? It'd be like, oh, yeah, I'm exhausted. Like the, my day just killed me, right? But we're talking about over and over and over, right? Not just a hard day, but, but it's every day, weeks and months, right? Yeah. And sometimes you're like, oh, I'm having a hard month, right? And then that, that would be kind of this idea of burnout. And then depersonalization measures uh, a feeling of impersonal response towards a patient, or in my scenario, I might say a student, right? Mm -hmm. um, I know from time to time, I find myself having a student come to me and in the back of my head, I'm just going, I don't have time for this. Like, mm -hmm. I, just, I just can't, mm -hmm. you know? I put on a good face and I do what I can, but I just like, ugh, I can't with you right now. Right. And I hate to admit it, but you know what? Like I'm, it's real. I'm human and that's real. Yeah. Um, and then the last one is personal accomplishment, which I, it was, um, I thought was a unique phrasing. Cause when I think personal accomplishment, I think, right. Like, Oh, I graduated from college or I got these awards or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, but what this is saying is it's the person's feelings about their competency and successful achievement in your work. Um, and so you'd almost start guess second guessing or, or even though you did something awesome, you may, you may look at it and be like, oh, that really wasn't that big a deal. Yeah. That is kind of what that is. Yeah. So what I have here is I have the MBI assessment. And so I was just going to ask a couple of questions or pull out oh a couple boy. of questions. Are we going to get my score? Um, no, I'm not. I'm definitely <laughs> not going to get your score. Uh, we don't... <laughs> During this month, I'm not getting any of either of our scores. We've, yeah. had, we've had a rough month and a half or so. Um, but uh, what I thought would be intriguing is not asking all the questions because we want to keep listeners. <laughs> um, I, we'll just ask a couple of questions per subsection just to give you an idea of the things that they're trying to find. Yeah. Okay. So in emotional exhaustion, here's uh, one of the questions is, and it's kind of, I think it's, I think it's either a scale of one to five or a scale of one to 10, either way, um, you get the point. So I feel emotionally drained from my work. They're just trying, trying to identify, right? How much are you feeling exhausted, right? By this. Yeah. I feel fatigued when I get up in the morning and I have to face another day on the job. Mm. That question speaks a lot, mm -hmm. right? I don't, I would identify myself as feeling burned out quite often. But I don't know that I feel that way all the time, right? I actually, yeah. I usually feel that like, you oh, still want to go. Yeah, it's a new day. Here we mm -hmm. go, right? So I think if you're, if you're like on a 10 out of 10 on that, I mean, you, it says a lot. It says, working with people directly puts too much stress on me. <laughs> <laughs> Why am I laughing at that one, Amanda? <laughs> oh, because <laughs> you always give me a hard time with how... 
I'm an introvert and it just, it is kind of physically draining sometimes of just the interaction, constant interaction with people Yeah, that that's how, um, you know, kind of opposite of you. (laughs) (laughs) I get it. You're, you're around people and that just, yeah, that gives you all that energy. And for me, it does, it is almost physically exhausting some days. Yeah. Um, so that's why you're kind of, well, that's kind of the kind beauty. Of laughing. It's kind of the beauty of this scale. So it's like though. I'm set up to be, <laughs> <laughs> but it's kind of the beauty of the scale though. Right. Let's like, if you're like a six or a seven or even some days, like an eight on that, on that portion yeah. of that question, you, you would be a one or a two in the other ones. And so just cause you're high in one portion of the emotional exhaustion doesn't mean you're emotionally exhausted. It just, yeah. it just means that one specific question, you're a little high, but overall you might be lower. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and this could change month to month or year to year. I mean, it could depend on kind of what's going on. I think it depends on the day, the, <laughs> the hour, <laughs> the hour, the phase of the moon. Yeah. Is right. It... <laughs> yeah. Which kind of dog comes when in? All the, it's a chihuahua like... that's different than a great Dane. When it's, Yeah. A day that you're pounded with all emergencies on top of all the euthanasias and yep, yep. all of it. Yeah, some <laughs> of those days are harder than others. They can be. Mm-hmm. All right. So depersonalization is the second section. Um, some of the questions in that area, they say, I feel that I treat some recipients as if they were impersonal objects. Hmm. So replace recipients with, for me, students, for you, patients, yeah. right? Or clients. Or clients, yeah. I feel that I treat some clients or students as if they were impersonal objects. Hmm. That feels, I mean, some of these questions are so, like, they're, I mean, they just say a lot, right? We're like, yeah. this, what are they looking for? They're looking for you to I You're kind of putting up a wall because yeah, you're... I'm shutting them down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I have become more callous towards people since I took this job. <laughs> Sometimes I say at the end of the day, I have lost all faith in humanity and our futures are all going down the toilet. Right. No students have learned anything. They all forgot everything I taught them. Yeah. This is the, right. Some, some days. <laughs> I have some days too, where it is hard. Like I've had that, that feeling before it's like, okay, like, you you start to even not really trust people because it's it seems like everyone has a a sad story or something that led up yeah. to this and yeah. you know and not to I'm sure that it's out there but it does kind of make you a little like okay not everyone is out of their job for sure this long and then sure. they can't pay for their you know Ugh. pets treatment and stuff like that yeah and it just seems like. You know, then I, I feel like I have to kind of put up those barriers of like, can I trust that or not? Mm -hmm. And just different stories. I'm just using money as the example, but there's other stories, unfortunately, of like, okay, is this a neglect case? Yeah. (laughs) Then, and then a lot of times people say what they think I want to hear. Sure. And it's like. Uh, a lot of times you can see through it. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, I try and pride like myself on the fact that I believe 
and I do as a whole. Oh yeah. I genuinely believe that the, a vast, overwhelming majority of humans on Earth are just good people. Mm-hmm. I believe that. I, mm-hmm. I, at my core, I believe but that. But some days it's but like, some... boy, it seems like I got all the. Yeah, the, I met all, the one percent <laughs> of all the untrustworthy people. <laughs> people all in one hour. Yeah. No. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Um, all right, then uh, this one is uh, is kind of interesting. Um, I feel that my patients or students blame me for some of their own problems. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I think we both are like Could seven I, plus on eight plus on this 10. one. <laughs> well, you did. You why did you times. fail me? Oh my gosh! Can I re- vent for two seconds, <laughs> Mr. Vockler, You gave me an F. I have never given an F in my life. Students have earned Fs. And I will give them to them when you they earn them. You could truncate that sentence. I've never given an F. I've never given a student an F. They have always got the grade they earned. Mm-hmm. Rant over! <laughs> I also didn't make you get that dog or yes. that cat. Yes, exactly. Yeah, And I did not give them kidney failure neither did the shelter that you had yeah, yeah from. <laughs> short end of the you know short stick right you, yeah. you, you sorry sometimes you have bad luck and that sounded super callous i am burned out <laughs> i need a new job i quit <laughs> but i i mean it, yeah you can't always blame somebody else and and to be fair i think that when people are in a hard time they're looking for something, right? Yeah. And sometimes it feels better to, to like push that emotion onto. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But boy, that really friggin' sucks when it's on you. Yep. <laughs> um, all right. Personal accomplishment. Uh, I can easily understand how my students or patients feel about things. So this is a little bit more of like the optimistic side. You're like, oh yeah, yeah. I, I can totally see that. All right. So on this scale, they might say a one. It's like you got a problem, yeah. <laughs> right, but a ten, it's like, oh, you're Blower. very optimistic, right? Yeah. Um, I feel I'm positively influencing other people's lives through my work. Hmm. I I think yeah. when I come home, I walk I walk in the door feeling like an eight plus every yeah. almost every majority day of the that. day. Yeah. I feel very satisfied with yeah, and that's just even I think our characters too that we're pretty hard workers and we put a lot into it and yeah then, yeah, I mean, you just feel that satisfaction and that completeness. Yep, exactly. Where I know I've tried everything I could today. Yep. yep. And done everything I could. You know, this this makes us sound like we're so much cooler and better than we are, but sometimes I feel like, like I made a difference today. Like I changed something today, mm-hmm. right? And I think that, I mean, that's why sometimes I Sometimes it's hard to like focus in on that. Yeah. Because you can have yeah. one bad thing, like terrible thing. Yep happen in the day and I've had that happen where then I had to like on my drive home I sit and think about no that was only one case you know one thing 20 out of yeah Yeah. out of the 20 plus patients that I saw in one day yep there was one bad one and then I need to think back on no everything actually went really well like this was a good day 90% of my day was great yeah yeah but we always we kind of tend to focus on the 10 kind of yeah. yeah Yep, mm-hmm. exactly. Um, I uh, this this will be our last one. I feel exhilarated after working closely with my patients or students. Mm-hmm. I would I would say I do. Yeah, I, yeah, for the most part, I do. So yeah, interesting, right? Mm-hmm. All right. So um, so those are kind of the questions that you're that, that they talk about. Maybe um, we'll have to find a link to the test, and if people want to take it, 
Um, is I, there one? <laughs> well, for like fifty something dollars, yes, there is. Oh, geez. <laughs> uh, I could. I can definitely upload some of the some of the questions. This is not a whole list of all the questions. This was like an example, like an episode okay. that I, I was, was like, able to you pull. didn't buy the. I did test, not buy did this. You? No, okay. no, we have not received because uh, we have an agreement that we talk about these. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we purchases. do. No. <laughs> our our uh, our household for budgeting for is our not hobby there. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> it's supposed to be. <laughs> we have not received enough donations from our listeners yet. Hint, hint. That uh, for us to be able to afford such a thing, we we are still technically producing on a negative income <laughs> for the podcast <laughs> um, well it's still fun <laughs> it is it's super fun um this this is at the end i want to talk about solutions this is one of our solutions to be honest yeah so um, our venting right. session our, our venting session sorry you all podcasts. have to be a part of it <laughs> so uh last thing that i wanted to talk about when it comes to the the historical aspect of it is something that i found that was really like eye-opening or like slap in the face feeling is a lot of the studies that have been done about burnout or about compassion fatigue have started to say the the that the person who is experiencing compassion fatigue is, they actually start to experience similar symptoms to people who we would say are going through PTSD. Oh yeah. And um so there was one specific doctor who said that Perhaps PTSD should stand for primary traumatic stress disorder. And then PTSD, as as we know it, post-traumatic stress disorder should be a term that we use for the person who's experiencing compassion fatigue. Their whole point in this study that was done not long ago was that, so, so let's say, um, okay, I'll just, I'll just share this story. Um, I had the, the, the thing that kind of sprung this was um, a couple of about a month ago now, um, mm -hmm. a former football player who I coached for two years and um, he wasn't a student of mine, but he was a student at the school I teach at. He he's graduated and he went missing mm -hmm. and we knew he dealt with some, you know, mental health issues and stuff. And um, so a lot of people were worried about him and, I haven't really been in contact, I, not really, I haven't been in contact with him at all since he graduated. And, um, he, he was found and he had committed suicide. Um, and so I had a, I had a counselor come over in my room and, and ask me if I knew this student and I knew immediately what she was talking about. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, at that point am feeling all kinds of emotions and I can't put together what it is. Right. And I'm trying to trying to think like, could I have reached out? Right. All these things that are just illogical that cause reality is how much could I have done? Right. But I'm feeling this fatigue. I'm feeling this kind of overwhelming, like exhaustion of dealing with emotions. Right. Mm -hmm. And then that day I had, other things happened that that same day. I had other big things come yeah. down. Um, I remember you telling me. I had. I mean, it was it was like a day that that just couldn't stop. Right? It just never went away. So what I'm getting at is that when when you're talking about like the, me dealing with this fatigue portion is that that the next time 
I sure hope it never happens. But statistically speaking, I I will have another kid in my career over the next 20 something years who will lose their life due to this again. Mm-hmm. And when that happens, I will remember this student who I'm just working over, you know, losing them now. Mm-hmm. And so the argument of this being PTSD, it really resonated with me because I didn't really think about it that way, but it's true. I will remember this student again whenever I think about somebody committing suicide. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And and that was that like I said already, that was very heavy to me and that was there was a lot there. Um and so Anyway, so when you're talking about this exhaustion, this this compassion fatigue, um, that one wasn't necessarily me having to show compassion to the family or anything because I wasn't there for that. But um, but I'm just dealing with these emotional, exhausting experiences. And then to have two or three other big things happen that same day, then I come home and I have a two and a half year old who just wants to play daddy and wants to write and you're home. And it was just like, it's just hard to hang that up outside the door and, and mm-hmm. just be happy go lucky, right? Because I'm still feeling these emotions. So mm-hmm. anyway, so this this that PTSD portion just really spoke to me. Oh yeah. I definitely have a lot of cases that then remind you of yes. a very similar case. Yeah. And then you um, almost relive those feelings. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Or even, you know, instances where it's something I've gone through with my own animal that then I'm reliving with, you know, a patient or something like that, that definitely makes you revisit those, all of those emotions come flooding in. But then I have to be professional. I have to be the doctor and keep my cool and, you know, be thinking on my feet, especially in emergency situations or things like that, that it's hard that then after it's all said and done, you're like just shaking and you have that adrenaline rush really, you know, then going away mm-hmm. where then you can really like digest everything that just happened. It's quite a, yeah, roller coaster. Yeah. That's a, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Because, um, when this counselor told me about us losing the student, Um, We had just walked into my back office in the back of my room. And then uh, she was, you know, to her credit, she was doing everything she could. You know, let me know if I could do anything for you and and talking to me. And she's wondering, is there anybody else at the school that might have known them? And so we talked for a few minutes and then the bell rang and she leaves. And I'm standing there in front of the classroom of 20 kids. And they're waiting for their teacher to start class teach right let's go and mm-hmm. everybody's like hey Vockler, blah 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 and they're like hey guys uh so i just like um go ahead and get this going right get your tracker going i'm gonna be back in five all right and just walk take a drink go to the drinking fountain like take a deep breath right mm-hmm. and just and you're and i have to be and now i'm on right when you're that's why i usually use that term when i'm teaching i'm on i'm on stage right i'm a pretty charismatic loud person to begin with but uh if you want to keep the attention of a bunch of 16 year old kids that don't want to be there you need to be on right i'm on stage and so then i walk in and it's like all right let's go how's everybody doing and like and i have to forget it i have to move on i'm on to the next thing so i get yeah it's hard and you're on to the next patient right i get that literally within 
second. Minutes. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, like, sometimes I only have a second in between a room. Yeah. Or yeah. I had just a horrible, sad euthanasia. The all the families there, and it just is literally breaking your heart to pieces as you're watching even, you know, family members and everything just crying. Mm -hmm. And then, boom, next appointment's up, and I'm going in and seeing a bouncing crazy puppy that then, yeah, I have to be on. Mm -hmm. Because now now, these people are excited. They're like, we got a new puppy, and our vet's going to help us. And you're like, hey, guys. Mm -hmm. Oh, this, I mean, yeah, it's It's just that, yeah. That's At least always... you have a puppy. I mean, <laughs> but, it's but it's not, not always all a puppy. Yeah, I could no. be. Yeah. And that's you know. the majority of, I think, people don't understand as veterinarians. It's not just that. And that's something I always say. It's not mm-hmm. just puppies and kittens. It's not. Yeah. Majority of the patients I see are sick. Yep. And yeah. And that's why they're there. Yep. I love those wellness appointments. It's and a nice I break. Thrive in the day. on those. <laughs> and it's so awesome. But. Yeah, majority of the time that's not the case. Because yep. that's the reason why they're coming to see the vet is they're sick. Yeah. A lot of times really sick. Yeah. And so, so um this was a whole lot longer than I expected it to be at the front. Um, but uh and like I said, it wasn't like deep history, but there is a historical aspect to it. And there's one real big reason why we think that we're I don't know if the right word is qualified, but a reason that we feel like we can talk about this is also within our research, we found that, um, that teachers and veterinarians every year, year after year are in the top percentage of, of professions with this burnout and compassion fatigue and depression, mm-hmm. um, these, the, amongst other professions. Um, but, uh, but we are both in a field that are within the top amount of depression and anxiety and compassion because we're in a caring yeah field yeah i I think that there's a lot of things that contribute to that but but i Mm -hmm. think that in a very simplistic way of putting it that that's nail on the head yeah we're we are asked to and we do care a lot about people and their animals and their scenarios Mm -hmm. and that can be that can be taxing yeah so um you found some interesting information about veterinarians and yeah. and compassion fatigue and stuff. So yeah. I've done a whole boatload of talking. So what do you got for us? <laughs> well, the main information that I even found was directly on the AVMA's website. Um, and just kind of talking about why are veterinarians at such risk for compassion fatigue? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of different theories and everything like that too, on the counterpart of why veterinarians have such a high suicide rate. Um, which is pretty alarming. Um, I feel like there's a couple veterinary groups that I'm on on Facebook and I feel like sometimes we don't go a week without hearing of another colleague. Losing another colleague. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Isn't it like one or two as far as professions that Mm -hmm. have high, high suicide rate? Mm -hmm. So like other caregiving professionals, we obviously deal with a lot of death and a lot of illness Every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, it's kind of that season. I don't know if other vets around the nation experience, but it seems like always during the winter time and around Christmas time is when there's a lot of euthanasias and a lot of sad stuff. It just seems yeah. to follow. Yeah. And it's always hard. Like the first now, even year of 
practicing. I'm like, man, I hate Christmas right now because it's terrible. And there's no um, real reason for it. It just is no, so happens. You and, think and there's cold theories weather is bad. That, like, on yeah, the cold weather animals. all of a sudden just makes them worse. And so now yeah. it's probably time. And a time that's, I just well, swear it, it's like also too. And that's of course when people's pets are going to be diagnosed with cancer or something, sure. you know, I don't know. But, well, and I'm taking we a, just focus on it more because it's supposed to be a happy time of year. And sure, but I'm taking <laughs> a big swing here, and I, whether it's true or not, this isn't research based. But I'm going to make a big guess. A lot of people struggle. If you have any kind of depression at all, um, usually the you know, November, December, January, February, right? These winter months are usually a lot harder on you. Um, there's lack of sunlight and yeah. activities low, and so maybe there's it's lots, you know, yeah. And so I if think you're, a lot of in compounding the, factors yeah so if you're in the profession and you're kind of already dealing with that a little bit and then whatever this random phenomenon of extra ill dogs coming in in those times of months i mean you've got like you said compounding factors that mm -hmm. yeah that's hard to account for yeah but another thing that i thought it was kind of interesting that they talked about compassion fatigue also known as vicarious trauma secondary traumatic stress or secondary victimization um, that it's the result of a medical caregiver's unique relationship with a patient through which empathy allows the caregiver to take on the burden of the ill or dying patient. And I think that is why, I mean, so many veterinarians are feel, feel drawn and called to the profession because of our passion and our love and our caring of, of animals. Mm -hmm. Um, and then you, I feel like in a way as a vet, I sometimes can have a different relationship with my patient compared to people, but I don't know, um, that sometimes it's, I, some patients, I'm sure human doctors obviously get connections with them, but it's just maybe kind of different. I don't know. Sure. I get what and you're I saying. And I guess I don't know how to word that and express it <laughs> any more than that it might be a little, a little you, you feel but. kind of drawn. You feel like you have a connection with yeah. the animal world as a whole. Mm -hmm. And so I yeah. can visually see that from an outsider. So I get what yeah. you're saying. And I think the biggest thing, and this was kind of interesting in the research that I found is that it shows that veterinarians face ethical dilemmas three to five times per week and such moral stress is the primary contributor to compassion fatigue according to this research. And it's so true. There's some times where it's like, oh my gosh, I know how to diagnose, I know how to treat, I know how to do all these things. But then there's that, the ethical dilemmas that sometimes we're put in, mm -hmm. not on our own choosing, but sometimes based on what the client can then do, yeah. what they can afford, or what they will allow you to do, unfortunately. And that's the most frustrating part sometimes. Allowing you to do, because mm -hmm. then you're forced saying, well, this is what's right. Like you had, you had mentioned um, when we were talking about this in the car, in the car ride home, you were saying something about, oh, well, I may uh, suspect some sort of cancer or something. And then they just say, well, we're not going to treat it for whatever reason, maybe mm -hmm. financial or whatever. And then you just sit there and have to think, well. I mean, I hope I'm wrong then because otherwise your animal is dying of cancer. And so now I have to sit here and watch that happen yep. slowly. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's, that sucks for lack of a better term. And then that's the, then hard come, you know, conversation all the time that I feel like I have daily sometimes of people want to know, well, when is the right time? And I don't, I don't ever want that to be my decision Mm -hmm. for sure. That's Mm -hmm. what I always tell them. Yeah. Because I, you know, I feel like that's just a barrier that I've had to put up on my own, that it needs to be their decision, sure. not mine. I can obviously guide them and be like, yeah, it's, you know, sometimes that's our only option. Um, but it's definitely not something, a decision I want to make for them, for them, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah, in fair. those moments. It's fair. Um, but yeah, as far as then things I wanted to talk about was not only just, you know, we, I feel like we've talked about the signs and recognizing mm-hmm. compassion fatigue and everything like that. But as far as treating and combating compassion fatigue is kind of the biggest thing, right? And yeah, I for was some hoping, people it's kind of like baby steps type of a deal, but yeah, I was kind of hoping to close with like a, okay, all of this is sad, but let's talk about yeah. why. Yeah. Or what you could do. What to help you can it. do. And yeah. it's possible. Um, I feel like obviously then having a network of people that you can talk with and discuss things with not only just colleagues, but, you know, maybe an online group or your spouse, whatever, to have that outlet of being able to talk about these things. Cause you don't want to just bottle these things up and then they're going to come back. (laughs) You're going to be revisiting them, you know? Um, so, you know, like I've, said there's a couple even online facebook groups uh, vet groups that i'm in that are just even sometimes a nice place to be like hey this really crappy thing happened to me today and i just need to say it and then you get a <laughs> boatload of people and then there's a lot of hey, people that are there. like i've had that happen pain. yeah i you know we're here to support you and it's just that support group right of that you're not alone yeah because sometimes that's the way you can start to feel especially with burnout and compassion fatigue is that isolation and it's sometimes then you start to isolate yourself more right so then pushing yourself out there to to reach out and and not be isolated but you know then the term of caring for yourself and sometimes also taking time to be by yourself and be your own person and to be able to just kind of get to you again. Yeah. I know? think, I think that there's, there's gotta be a balance there. Right. Yeah. And, and, and everybody's going to be very different. Mm-hmm. Right. So let me, uh, let me take a half step back before I finish that thought. Cause yeah. uh, something I was going to point out in a, in a study that was done is, so we've mentioned that we both are part of a profession that has high burnout and high depression rates. Mm-hmm. Um, you are in a profession that has one of the highest suicide rates nationally. Um, we're talking American numbers here. I don't know. I don't know worldwide. Um, but in America, um, teachers actually, even though they're just as high of a depression rate, um, teachers actually have the lowest suicide rate. Yeah. And so it's, it's funny to me that funny is a terrible term. It's interesting to me that, that that's, that that splits. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. and so, the it's it's nearly impossible to know why but there's tons of of speculation and i felt very solid arguments that were made in in one of these articles and i would 
confirm my own personal experience that there's a lot of truth to these. And one of them is this sticking together, right? This, this finding people to work with. Right. And so for, for me, I'm super blessed to have amazing coworkers that we get together every day for lunch. And we specifically take time away from our day to shut the door and shut it out and just laugh and just enjoy one another's company and mm-hmm. just take that in. Um, and sometimes, um, like we have a brand new teacher, not brand new, she's she's one year in and, and she'll walk in and she's like, guys, I just need to vent. And we're like, cool, lay it on us. Like, what do you need? Because we've all been there too. And we ha- I have this really cool support system there. And, and this article is talking about how uh, a vast majority of teachers actually have a really good support system kind of built in. Mm-hmm. And, and and it's just not because of any school program or anything. It's just kind of the nature of the beast, right? We all work really close together. There's a ton of us in a building and we almost all the time have like a similar lunch break or similar, or we have like common prep periods. Yeah. And so similar lunch breaks, sim- the whole well, school has <laughs> the depend- same lunch. <laughs> I only say that because it depends <laughs> on the school. <laughs> we happen to have everybody goes to lunch at the same time, but some schools have like AB or something like that. Yeah. But either way, it's just kind of, built into the program. So I don't really have to look very far for kind of a support group. I've, I've been very fortunate to kind of have one built into my own personal employment scenario. Mm -hmm. Um, but, and I would argue that probably quite a few people have something similar teachers wise, Mm -hmm. but you, um, and, and again, not necessarily pointing fault to anything specific, but just kind of the nature, the cult, the culture of the, of like the clinic you're on your own lunch with not very many people like around you. Well, there's you. not very many vets even, yeah. you know, within yeah. a lot of clinics and stuff that. Yeah. yeah. And, th- and that's why I'm saying I'm not, I'm not pointing any fingers mm-hmm. at anything. Cause that's not the point. Mm-hmm. My point is, is, is the, the environment that is just part of being a veterinarian, mm-hmm. right? You have to, if you get a lunch, if you get, if you get a lunch, if you're lucky enough to get one, it's, it's usually staggered, right? You're, mm-hmm. you're on your own and then you have the other, then the next vet goes after you. And then, and so it just is kind of, so you have had to kind of reach out a little bit um, mm-hmm. to others, or you've found some Facebook groups or there's, there's Reddit groups. If you're interested in that, I mean, you could literally look anywhere yeah. I would caution you to find those that emphasize the positive, though, because I think that you can downward spiral if you look at the negative. Oh, yeah. There, there's some Not dark stuff out there. If you, yeah. yeah. Where um, then it's almost then a, yeah, a negative yeah. party. <laughs> but at the same time, like having that, like you said, I'm going to piggyback on it. Having that alone time is not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. If you find yourself in a position where you don't have kind of this built-in structured like big group of coworkers that all hang out like I do that's okay then you your alone time to sit and recharge and read a book do something that is not work related if you can possibly do it mm-hmm. is really then that's when you do that and yeah. then you find that that companionship that friendship maybe elsewhere if you can but I think that there's a balance mm-hmm. between the two and I think I think they're both important and I think that each person is going to look different too mm-hmm. so well and obviously too you know make sure that you get help in the right way in the right yes. place yes depending on on your needs too of yes. don't be ashamed of reaching out and getting medical help yeah. um you know I know that there's been a big push of even people obviously not in the veterinary field, but just people 
trying to ruin ruin the stigma of treatment for, you know, depression and anxiety and everything like that, that it's okay to take medication if you need to seek help with therapy, different things like that too, if it's ever, you know, that bad. But the biggest thing um, that I've even learned it makes a big difference is caring for yourself. Yes. You're so good about caring for others and other people and in my case pets, but take a look inward and actually take that time to care for yourself and something as simple as, you know, flossing your teeth and brushing <laughs> just like That's stuff for our like dentist that who's listening <laughs> yeah but it's stuff like that that sometimes goes to the wayside you yeah. know where it's like you're just so exhausted that the thought of sometimes like you know i'm using the example um <laughs> flossing your teeth that it's like ugh, that's just gonna you it's know one more thing uh-huh. uh-huh but you know to try and fight and do that and yeah just take care of yourself yeah i think it's really important eat well yep exercise yoga whatever mindfulness activities are really important yeah yeah i would say another good piece of advice is to find something that is um i'm trying to i'm trying to pick my words carefully here find a hobby that is kind of that's your own thing that you Mm -hmm. can do and preferably have it be not anywhere associated to your work experience at all. Um, Which ironically, now we have a hobby we, that. <laughs> talks. Yeah, I was going to talk about two things. We'll, <laughs> we'll talk about the podcast in a second. Um, but I, what I was going to say was picking my words wisely um, is find a hobby that's your own, right? Mm-hmm. If you have a spouse or significant other, it's okay to have a hobby with them. And if you find that that is that that's helpful and healing and gives you a good experience and helps you feel better then then that's perfect for you um but it's not a bad thing to find something that's you right that that you can take a break from almost all of it right so mm-hmm. mine is is I'll, I'll out myself oh, here no i'm super nerdy you're gonna let everybody know this <laughs> everybody's gonna know I'm really big into Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> and I really enjoy it. And I have a really good time playing He's with my friends. No. I am a nerd. I'm a total nerd. <laughs> I've never dressed up for Dungeons and Dragons. Mm-hmm. I don't, yeah, I'm not that intense. I just, it's a hobby that I thoroughly enjoy. And, um, and I have some really good friends that I've played with since elementary school or I guess seventh grade actually. So junior high. And, and it's, and that is like an out for me. It's a chance for me to I have something that I know I'm going to do roughly once a week or every other week where I'm just going to be able to go and hang out with my friends and laugh and just not think about my day, mm-hmm. right? Now, to be fair, and I'm not just saying this because you're here, I can have those experiences with you too, right? So date nights on Friday nights are very big because it's nice to not have to worry about things. Just go grab some dinner and be you and me and the ba- and uh, not the baby anymore, the toddler, the crazy girl, right? And just be a family and just have a chance to not really and do our best to not talk a lot about work, but just like remove ourselves, mm-hmm. right? So that's number one. Number two if you have a spouse or significant other and you can find something to do with them, right? Like I said, date night or something. We decided to start this podcast for several reasons, but it's been a really good out for us to be able to do exactly what I'm doing right now, to be able to just 
talk about it, to be able to get that weight off my shoulders or to have yeah. something different to do. Right. And so I'm able to kind of feed my research nerd bug in the podcast. Yeah. Education, we, nerd. education nerd. Yeah. And then in the last couple of episodes, right, we've done like the today and teaching things. So it's fun to share like a little story here and there. And so mm -hmm. that's been equally kind of healing or helpful to me. And so yeah. Yeah. that's kind of my two cents on other ways to help you out. Yeah. So anything find else to humor. add? Find humor in everything, in mm -hmm. everything. I find humor in everything. If I had a it's psychological ev evaluation, they'd be like, oh, you cover up everything with like laughing. <laughs> like you're ab freaking absolutely right. I do. Yeah. I, I just find that it helps everybody get through stuff a little better. <laughs> yeah. So I've been talking a lot. I have one more. Do you have anything else you were going to talk about before I have one more, though? No, I didn't know that you'd be so <laughs> passionate. I, well, I am, though. Like, I know. I go through it a lot. I, I didn't even share all of the stories, and I don't have to. But just know that, like, as a teacher, there it's it's every day. And, and I'm not comparing it to your job because as a vet, it's every day, right? Yeah. And And I think that every job has... That fortunately has things that are like that. You don't but have to deal with death every day. No, I don't <laughs> have to deal with bonus, death every day. That is a huge bonus, right? But but there's there's stuff every day. And I feel when I walk out of my class, most days like I've made a difference. But some days I question and I think, did I help them become better people or did I just put them on a bad path that's gonna be for the rest of their lives? Like I can't help but think that way sometimes, right? Mm -hmm. Anyway. So the last thing I was going to talk about, and I think this is important for anybody and everybody who's dealing with burnout, compassion, fatigue, depression, or anything that's associated with kind of with their profession, um, is the last point that they made in that article that I thought was beautiful. Um, one of the main reasons why teachers are not typically on the high suicide rate, even though they have high burnout and high compassion fatigue, is that teachers inherently have a forward thinking mindset. Right. You said like mindfulness and things like mm -hmm. that. Um, teachers usually say, you know, what, like there's I'm, I'm planning for the future. Right. I'm looking for my, the future of my kids. Luckily, right? these kids are going to be graduated and <laughs> out of my hair <laughs> in six more months. I never have to see this senior again. Right. Yeah. Whatever it is. But but teachers are kind of inherently forward thinking. We're thinking in the future. We're thinking about positive going forward. And we're and we are trained to push for the best in our kids and things like that. I think that there's some value there. I think that it's important to, and it kind of goes back to like how we talked about at the end of the day, sometimes you'll only think of the one bad thing mm -hmm. when in reality, 90% of what you did was great, right? Um, focus on that 90%. Focus on the good. Focus on the fact that in in the next couple of weeks, 90% of what you're doing is good and helpful and you're going to see that puppy for another wellness visit and you've helped them have a better life as a whole. And because of that, you've helped their owner have a better life, right? Mm -hmm. There's way more positives around us than there are negatives. And it's just all about what are we looking for or what are we looking to? Mm -hmm. And so I just thought of another one too, but oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm really into this portion of it and it's, it's fine. We can, we can end it here because I think that we've covered it pretty good. And unless yeah. there's anything else you wanted to add. No, I just, a lot of, you know, even what I see with other veterinarians that I've worked with or work with, um, yeah, it's just that they can't sometimes see 
what they are doing, you know, that is good. And yeah, they, they, have, like, they are they touching the positive. Yeah. yeah. That, yeah, you just need to take that time and recognize. And I think it's something that too, as obviously within a network that of vets, that we need to buoy each other up and mm-hmm. recognize those moments when we're having a hard time recognizing our own positive things yeah (laughs) i guess yeah exactly you're way better about talking about this than i am so i'm gonna i'm gonna stop we'll leave it there um (laughs) so the last thing that uh, i will say because i thought about it uh the last thing that i will say is he he, does this a lot yeah yeah the last wait this is the last thing oh wait there's one more oh Oh, wait wait, one more okay legitimately the last (laughs) thing keep a feel-good folder Oh yeah, and I, and this I only... is something that yeah. I learned from the beginning yep. for sure. Yep, and I only say I've got it, it plastered on my me. walls so I can see all my thank you cards and Good. stuff like that, Good. so I can look at it. And like my favorite picture is by this little five-year-old girl that, unfortunately, I couldn't save her puppy that had parvovirus. Yeah, but she took the time to draw me this big mural picture, and. I, I leave it up on my wall. Yeah, she was reminder. appreciative of what you did. That was mm-hmm. a hard scenario. Oh, but, that was terrible. But there's a positive there, mm-hmm. right? This little girl saw the saw the positive. Saw that I that I tried. Yeah, you did everything I gave you could. Everything I could. So, so. it's um, but yeah, feel good folders feel good to folders remember. Big. Yeah, I have I have kind of um, I had two for a little while, like one that was like all digital. If there were emails or whatever. Then I just printed them off and put them in my actual folder. Um, but I have, yeah, I have in my filing cabinet right behind my, right behind my head and my desk, I have a feel good folder. It's, and it's full of cards or notes or things that, that students have given me things that are maybe not student driven, but things that remind me of a really funny time that yeah. of a, from a coworker. I have like this little award that somebody gave me that um, they earned when they went to like an Olympics thing and don't it just reminds too, me of don't them. Don't get too gloaty with no. how big your feel good folder <laughs> My feel good is. folder is not that big. <laughs> My point behind telling you that is it could be anything. That yeah. folder could be filled with anything. I heavily recommend it be associated to the thing that causes you fatigue. So if it's your job, right, it, it needs to be something associated to that. But it, like, I, like the reason why I was saying it was it was a coworker who gave me this yeah. as just like a, hey, I think you're awesome. And every time I look at that, I think of that coworker and I think about like, hey, I am pretty freaking awesome. Right. <laughs> and it helps me on some of those days that I'm just down and out. <laughs> I sometimes so. feel like you don't need help knowing that. <laughs> no, I don't need very much help knowing I'm awesome. Oh I, know, I know I'm pretty awesome. Um, all right. Well, I hope that this has been helpful. I hope this has been educational. Um, ended up being a little bit more lighthearted in some areas than I thought. We didn't go nearly as in depth on the reason why we brought this up as I thought we would, but I think that's okay. I think some stuff is best unsaid. Um, but, uh, but it's been a rough month and a half or so, but things are getting a lot better right now. So mm-hmm. all is well. Um, we hope to resume a somewhat regular recording scene- scenario. I hate to be that podcast that's not on a routine. So we're going to do what we can to get back on track there. So anyway, yeah, we will. Um, thank so- you. For t- oh, go ahead. Do you want to end it or do you want me to end it? Do you? You have you been talking a lot. I have been talking a lot. So why don't you just read all of it? So thank you guys for taking the time to listen to this week's episode. We hope you learned something new and maybe got hopefully a little laugh along the way that we it wasn't too 
down and out. Um, remember, you can find us on Instagram at Teacher Vet Podcast. We have a Facebook page. Uh, just search Teacher Vet Podcast and you'll find us there. If you like what you hear, tell your friends and spread the word. Also, we have a lot of topic ideas, but we want to be sure we're talking about topics you are interested in. If you have any topic requests or thoughts, hit us up at teachervetpodcast at gmail.com. So with that said, thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.